This episode is brought to you by Allstate. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings vary and are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. Night Racing is back at Richmond Raceway. This spring, top NASCAR drivers like Ryan Blaney, Chase Elliott, Bubba Wallace, Ross Chastain, and Virginia's own Denny Hamlin will battle under the bright lights. And this historic track also offers a rocking infield experience with unparalleled access to your favorite drivers and one of the best tailgate scenes around. For a weekend of friends, family, and amazing short track action, head to Richmond Raceway, March 29th through 31st. Get tickets now at richmondraceway.com. Buy any Gillette product from Chemist Warehouse and go in the drawer to win a Teata rooftop tent. This is Izzy and Kempi for breakfast on SENZ. Wherever she goes, I go, we roll, we go. Flying over cities down to Rio, it's Rio. Love that I feel. Oh, nothing lasts forever, but I'm down for the minute, so just chill. Wherever she goes, I go, we roll, we go. Flying over cities down to Rio, it's Rio. Love that I feel. Oh, nothing lasts forever, but I'm down for the minute, so just chill. New Zealand, four minutes past six o'clock, and oh, did I miss that tune? It's Izzy and Kempi for breakfast. Dagger still up in the north, so it's me, Louis, and Kempi here this morning, and it is a very busy time in sport. We've got backing up off Anzac Day, NBA playoffs, NHL playoffs, the Black Caps ODI series starting tomorrow uh, against Pakistan. We've got Fight for Life, middle of Super Rugby season, middle of the NRL season, and this morning, more than ever, this phrase is true. He's the hardest working man in radio. It's Tony Kemp backing up after a late one last night. <laughs> Kempi, how out. are you? Yeah, mate, I'm good. I'm all good. I uh, wake up this morning uh, just thinking about how tough they were last night, mate. You know, courageous... Losing four um, boys on the to the bench, who couldn't return to the game, and and if things had been different and, the, and they had the opportunity to change out a couple of really tired middle players late in that game, they could have been in it because it was a real scrap at the back end. And of course, that's where they like it. Uh, the Melbourne Storm, Jerome Hughes, Cameron Munster, and, and Harry Grant stepped up and went through the middle of the park. And the only reason they did that was on the back of some. Pretty average refereeing decisions, I have to say. Um, but, but because that's what they do. They tire you and they, uh, and they attack that, that tiring ruck. But what a game last night, mate. And just on Anzac Day. Yes. Like, I have to say this about Anzac Day. 
it has to be one of the best sporting days ever. Like you're walking around during the day going, man, there's sport on today, I can't wait, you know, and even I don't care about time. Like the time of the night when the Anzac um, game, Melbourne versus the Warriors, came out last night, they ran out, the the bugle played, the stadium was full, you know, the, the whole of Melbourne, they had the shot from the Eagle cam where they looked down on the traffic and you're going, man, it's Tuesday night. Every game, everyone should be playing sport on Anzac Day. Every sport. Oh, totally agree, Kimby. Totally agree. What about Melbourne as well as a city? They had 95,000 to a record crowds, the biggest crowds since 1995 at the Collingwood, the Pies, Essendon game at the Anzac Day clash at the G. And then across the road, they've got this titanic clash between the New Zealand team that gets to play on Anzac Day. Why rugby isn't played at middle after middle of the afternoon at Eden Park on Anzac Day, I'm not too sure. But anyway, that's something to discuss for a little bit later on. It's so busy today, Kempe. Uh we're going to get straight into the Warriors. We're going to hit it off the back fence, off the top. Um, but after 7 o'clock, we're going to catch up with a guy called Dave Dooley for our rural catch-up. Dave Dooley, former chief. Do you remember Do you remember Dave Dooley going around Kempe? He's now at Lansdowne Park. He is a hell of a character, so I think you enjoyed chatting to him. Yeah, yeah. look, I do remember the name, and I was really surprised to hear that he was at Lansdowne Park now as a partner and and. Sports people transitioning into the horsey game. I, I love it. The thing, with it, the thing with it, he's a lock, you know, and he's probably when you think about it, you know, they could they they measure horses and hands. Yeah, you know, it's not a small man, even though they <laughs> ride it. It's not a small man's game when you when you have to you know, pull the horses around, put them on trucks, take them to the take them to the tr- um, tracks to to get them out for jump outs and stuff like that. You got to have some strength about you. Um and I reckon he's he'd be the exact build that you'd want for someone to own a own a um I, I guess a breeding ground for for horses, you know, because of the size of them. And you know, should that clip you you sent yesterday on WhatsApp, <laughs> mate, got some speed. Like Thaldow, pulling Thaldow down. No one's done that. He, uh, I was about to say, he looked like a thoroughbred when he ran down Rapenny, the fastest man in the world one day. We'll ask Dave about that, uh, Kimby. I caught up with Blair Tickner this morning. Very yeah, how good was late that in- yesterday? Oh, man. I mean, the Black Caps, they, they've, they're they playing against Pakistan's AT20 side. They managed to tie the series. So Blair Tickner, the ODI series starts tomorrow. They stayed up late. I chatted to them very early this morning. And then after eight, it's Blake Ashford. Uh, we'll finish off talking about a fight for life uh, with Andre Mikhailovic as well. Uh, Ricardo Bull caught up with him. Fight for life tomorrow. It's so busy, Kempi. But let's get into it because before we even got here this morning at five twenty-three a.m., Doug had sent a text on the Temper Bed Post text machine. Morning, boys. There needs in the his best Jeff Tuvey voice. <laughs> There's got to be an investigation. The NRL BS, we owe them a debt of gratitude BS. They give us the worst officials they can find. They stick us in outer Mongolia. Come on, man. By the way, the Warriors showed a heap of backbone. <sighs> Vented now, boys. Have a good day. Doug, there's going to be a bit of this this morning, Kimpy. Oh, look, I think so. And there was a lot of it last night when I was uh, you know, having a cup of tea before I finally jumped in the sack. Uh, on Twitter and just people going off about some of the decisions. Even our mate that is going to be joining us after 8 o'clock, um, Blake was texting me on a couple of really bad calls late on, especially the ones around Osefa Solomona when he caught um, one high shot, which they'd done Sean for earlier on in the game, and a, yep. and, a sec- and the second shoulder charge, which was blatant um, on one of the wingers to bringing the ball up. 
I think I think I know it was it was Jackson Ford bringing the ball up and he went in third man with a shoulder charge and again we had no penalty. The one that got me though, I have to say, last night was the six hands. You know what I mean? The hands in heaven. Like you got six hands going up to catch the ball, and the ball goes through the middle of them, and they pick out that it only touched a warrior's hand. I'm going. Mate, there's six hands there. How can you tell which hand it didn't touch? And, of course, they decided that it didn't touch the Melbourne hand, which then knocked it back, and uh, Nick Meany picked it up and scored the try. And Sammy was going off. He's saying, he was basically saying what Doug was saying uh, in our text message this morning during the call, but you just had to, you know, you look at all the stats. It's just that consistency. When they happen at what part of the game and the part of the field it happens in, and they're just really costly to the Warriors. And and one thing I do I do got to say, Doug, backbone, if you didn't believe that this Warriors team had put an effort in this year, then you, you must be watching a totally different game because this is a totally different Warriors side that showed up in 2023. I'm really excited, Kempi, for that exact reason. Like, I think they build off this. I think they use this. And, and, and the most beautiful part of it all is Andrew Webster just isn't shirking any of this blaming the ref stuff. Sorry, he's not leaning into it. He's not shirking the responsibility that they can still control their moments. These are still moments that they can win. He he actually said on that try, he said, well, you know, where was the person there to clean it up? He said, we can do things. We can still control things outside of these referendums. I think he knows that he's going to let the refereeing discourse to happen with us and with the fans, as it should, because there's a couple of things Sean Johnson's dropout, how often do you see this? Once a game. Show me a show me a fullback standoff, halfback, whoever it is that's dropping it out that does it behind the line. I mean, there's just little things like that and those shoulder charges that Blake is ta- are talking about where you just, over the totality of the history of the Warriors, by now we know to expect it, but when the team is actually this good and can contend, it's not good enough anymore. These are the small margins that are holding us back, I think. Well, that call in particular, you could make on every penalty kick. You know what I mean? Not every, and probably every dropout. I'm going to say not every dropout, but probably every dropout. Because when you take a penalty kick, you don't take it on the mark. The boys always show off two or three metres as they're running forward to kick the football. It was, I called it last night in the in the call, nitpicking. So yeah. he found that from nowhere. Those are ones where you pull out of the sky and go, I have to give a penalty, I'm going to give that one. You know what I mean? What would you think? If I was the the uh, referee's coach, I would actually talk to uh, the referee at, at the end of the game and say, what were you thinking? Like in the in the moment of that game, that is a, such a big call. You know what I mean? And for the Warriors at the moment, those big calls where they've given away penalties or having penalties given against them in their own half, they're really struggling to, to um, keep teams out. You know, that's a, a trend of the of the game at the moment. Teams are getting so much momentum, especially if they get repeat sets with a, with a six-again call from the referees to hold outsides. And, and when you're up against Munster and Jerome Hughes, you know what I mean? Like, they're really testing your defensive line out. I thought last night, on a number of occasions, they showed again some really good defensive resolve, the Warriors, but not helped by referee making nitpicking calls like, you know, kicking the ball over the, over the try line when you're dropping the... It wasn't as if he made an extra metre... Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it's yeah. it, that you just no no sense. It's a nonsensical penalty. Yes, yes, yeah. 
Yeah, I completely agree. And just me, and we'll we'll play some audio a little bit later on, Kimpy, of uh, what Andrew Webster made of it. He was brilliant. He ran a clinic in the post match press conference. I believe in Andrew Webster. I believe in Andrew Webster. I'm so impressed with this guy. Um, what are we? We're 13 minutes past six o'clock. 0800 the Kennard Tire phone line. I want to hear from you. And double eight, double three. Kimpy and me, we want to hear through you all throughout the morning. I actually think Neeps. Let's just let's get into it. Let, let's do this. Can't wait question of the day. Kempi Andrew Webster, I know you've got a lot of time for him, and I'm he's quickly becoming one of my favourite sporting coaches. Here is a clip of Andrew Webster talking about, well, the wash-up of the game. and the, This is the post-match press conference, so what's that, 20 minutes after the full-time whistle? How quick do they get them in there, Kempi? Yeah, it's, it's probably 20 minutes to half an hour. Give, give them a chance to go and sit down and talk to the team. And he did that, and he turned up in the post-match press conference, and as the journalist, and you know what it's like when you've got Dale Budge and et cetera out there throwing fish hooks for you, Kempi, they want to catch you having a spray at the officials or whatever. This was what Andrew Webster said around being proud versus making excuses. I just don't want us to get confused between being proud and um, kind of making excuses for moments. Like, we... We had enough moments that we needed to own and, and execute and there's no one in that shed. So the players themselves are coming up to me saying we need to be we need to be smarter in this situation, that situation. And then but they're proud of each other and like um, and I'm proud of them. like like I really am. Like the thing I, I want us to leave knowing, like I think I knew it before with tonight, um, and I think you can tell the boys know it, that they know they're a good football team. Um, and you know that we just got to keep keep working on stuff where we just got to make moments happen more. But yeah, we look like a great team when when we get it right. Yeah, and that's since, yeah. that's a, that's. A, I'm sorry, Louis. I'm just going to say, talking about moments, we know that you know you know that Izzy knows that when we're talking about um, parts of a football game, rugby, rugby league moments, you have to take your, you have to take those opportunities, and that's what he's talking about. But what he just said about they have left here knowing that they're a good football team. I think the whole of New Zealand that are watching have finally gone, mate, they are a good football team this year. You know, I when I, when I walked um, out to my car last night, I went, they're a chance of the eight. Like, I haven't said that all year. You know what I mean? I've been sitting, waiting, waiting for the, that effort, you know, and, it, and on the back of a loss, I've gone, yep, they are a def- definite football team. They have four... B- um, guys on the bench to choose for the rotations through that middle of the park. You know, Harry Grant was struggling, Munster was struggling. You know, that only got us because of those injuries. Um, they are a very good football team. And if you look at their offensive shape in the first half, they waltzed through Melbourne. Oh, it was pretty. It was very pretty. Like, there's, a, there's, one, there's one try they should have scored down the left edge, whereas if the ball went as, as crisp as it did, went to the right edge, when when Dallin um, scored one of his tries, the first try in the first half, Ed Costley just walks over the the. But the shape and the confidence that they have in playing, look, I like. I'll tell you one thing, I do like. I like I like Dylan Walker at, at six. I think he adds, you know, when he's out there on that edge, he adds some real starch to that defensive side. They there's so much right about it, and my, my can't wait question for you, Kempi, to have a think about, and for you on oh eight hundred one five zero eight eleven, give us a call. What's your emotion? 
Because there's so many different things you'll be feeling this morning. But what's your emotion that you got left with? Because mine was proud. And I, I thought of that before I heard Andrew Webb to say that they're proud of each other. He's proud of them. But that also is not meaning that they're going to make excuses about the refereeing. And I think that's the right mentality and sincerity for them to have. But for us, for me, I'm proud. What is your emotion? Joe, Gizzy, what's it for you, brother? Oh, Louie, had a big pride as well, mate. Especially after the, the big dawn service yesterday here in Gizzy. Um, and an amazing day to celebrate men who'd come before us t- to lay a platform for where we can be. Uh, it was carried on last night at the Warriors. Um, I thought their grit, determination, their one percenters, Kempi getting up for each other. And uh, you could see it when uh, we had four men off the bench and we had no one left. That Bunty was, he was struggling the long way out. And unfortunately, Harry found the hold and ran over him. But, you know, it's pride. It's a little bit of that one got away on us. And uh, we're now here. So here's our platform, like Webster said. Now it's time for us to go forward. We're not making excuses this year, right? Don't blame the ref, Kempe. Blame ourselves, because that's what Webster does. And we're fit. We've got a team unity. We've got depth. And I think you're dead right with Walker at six. I think he is just a find. Him and Ford on that left side, Kempe. I think we've got a platform for for the rest of the season. And as long as we don't lose too many more... And, and have them all in the, in, in the sheds injured, I think, mate, we're, we're rolling hard for the top eight this year, gentlemen. Yeah, no, it's a good call, Joe, especially on the injuries, and you're dead right about Bunty off for, um, he was looking for looking for the bench 15 minutes out, I was re- I'm feeling really sorry for him, because they were going to they were going to find him, the the kicking game. What did you make of Melbourne, though, um, especially the way that Asifa Solomona gets away with all of those late calls, you know, that high shot, that shoulder charge? Um, what are your thoughts on that? He gets away with it all the time. Third man in on a tackle with, the, with no arms, right? And then you've got Dylan who comes over the top and drives, drives their back round to the floor and gets 10. And yet you're seeing these cheap shots. He's known for it as well, which is really interesting that that ref didn't pick him because he's also a target. You watch him in big games for the Kiwis or big games uh, against the Roosters or the Rabbitohs. He's got a bad rep like Jared Warrior Hargrave has. And refs go him. But they didn't go home last night. And it was just really interesting that anything that they were doing, we weren't getting any love. But we were still in that game right to the end, Kempi. And, uh, you know, we haven't been there for a, a few years. But, um, oh, just very, very proud of, of a team that's growing and building and still coming together. So, uh, yeah, right there with you, Louis. Right there with you. Love it. Love it, Joe. I completely agree with a lot, well, a lot of what you're saying. And let's talk about that Dylan Walker sin binning as well after this. We're here at the Chemist Warehouse, a real house of fragrance. Leroy, do not go anywhere. We want to talk to you. We want to talk to you on 0800 150 811 this morning. What is your emotion? We'll get Kempies up after this. Now here's Harris. Better space for the middle if they can find it. Walker finds Ford. Ford goes over. Ford goes over after just four and a half minutes. What a find he has been. As you said, Kempe, he's providing a, a lethal combo down the left with Dylan Walker. Uh, he played a huge game last night, didn't he? He was massive. He was absolutely massive. And he's a massive man. Like He runs and, and plays and reminds me of a player that I played with by the name of Peter Brown, who um, I guess if there was a lot more front rows around at that time, would have played in the back row. Because he just had that size and that, that school level about him, you know what I mean? And that line he, he ran early on off uh, 
Dills Walker. There's a real bad read by Melbourne defensively. But, mate, when you're, when you're afraid of big blokes running at you, you do make bad defensive friends. <laughs> and that ball, that sleight of hand, Sean Johnson earlier in, the, earlier in the combination, then Dylan Walker looking out the back, going short. Ah, beautiful stuff. Uh, Leroy, you're in Gizzy. What are you feeling this morning, mate? Uh, just proud, eh? Proud Kempi. Proud of our team. Um, I think one party was when Munster made their change when it turned with that 40-20, whatever you call it. Yeah, 40-20. Um, yeah, that was a big moment in our game, I think, when when they when he got that, things started changing. And when uh, Nelson came on as well, I think that was the turning part too. Yeah, that's a good call, Eric. He started doing some damage eh, when he come on. But I think he started getting tired when he started doing those mistakes, which the ref should have pulled him up on, what you were talking about. But at the end of the day, I'm proud of what the, what the team did, you know, with four men down on the bench. Man, you couldn't be any proud of them now, you know? Yeah, were you surprised at how um, well they started the game, Leroy? The Warriors? Yeah, I was. Yeah. Um, you know, two in a row now that we, we scored a try and, you know, we scored first. So that's a good thing for us now. Yeah. Just looking forward to the Roosters game on Sunday now. Yeah. Yeah. Are you coming up? I'm trying to make it to a game. Hopefully, um, I'm trying to sort some stuff out, but I'm not too sure which one. I was going to get onto the Napier one, but um, yeah, I just got to see at the moment. Uh, good call, Leroy. Get yourself there, mate. Give us a call for that quiz. You just keep working, keep grinding, keep running off that back He's fence, on brother. fire. He's on fire. He's going to pick up two in a row. Oh, is he? <laughs> Yeah, mate, he got yesterday's one, which was a big one. Oh, Leroy, he's come back from the the uh, depths of despair. Okay, right, okay. Well, we'll still give us a call, Leroy. Uh, Paul, let's go up north. Let's go to Northland. That's Warriors country, true and true. Uh, Paul, what did you make of it, and how do you feel this morning? Uh, this time last year, a lot better than, um, than I was this time last year, after last year's game, but... Um, yeah, just on the soccer Solomona, I mean, I don't know if you watched that Roosters Dragons game, but they sent they sent uh, Victor Radley to the bin for something that was absolutely pathetic. Yeah, uh, he he's basically a target, Victor Radley. I, I, I really really believe that. And then you look at the soccer Solomona uh, situation, and they basically the hands off, leave him alone. It's just yeah, it's real disappointing last night. Uh, the referee. I mean, I, I hate blaming the ref, but. You don't want to come across as a, as a you know, making excuses, but we, we were basically dusted up by the referee last night. Yeah, you're just looking for a consistency, are you, Paul? I did watch that game yeah. where Victor Radley got um, got sent to the Sinbin for Timish. We're like, I'm the worst bike. I don't want this to turn into a game of marbles. I like seeing the, the rough and the, the tough stuff. Um, but what I do want to see is consistency, and you think that's lacking from the referees? Oh, 100%. I mean, that, that, that's all you want. All you want is consistency, but we're just not getting it. And then you've got the inconsistency around the uh, around the hip drop tackle. But um, I, I am really proud last night. You know, I mean, they look fantastic in the first half. You know, their, their set plays and the, those, those tries they scored. And then the players started dropping off, um, you know. But, you know, just on the, on the NRL itself, you know, like... Andy's come out and they all applauded the, the Warriors for keeping the game alive for three years, you know, and they dug deep and stayed over there. The way they're treating us in regards to, you know, um, 
you know, just uh, the, the schedule, our home games. You look at the Broncos, they've only got two games in Sydney this year. All the rest of them, most of them are in Suncorp. You know, it's just such an uneven playing field. And, um, you know, we just need to be treated a bit better, I reckon. You know, the Anzac test should be over here next year. You make a lot of sense, Paul. You'd find you'd be hard pressed to get me to disagree with you on that one. Um, Kempi will talk about it after the news of Aroha, but just a bit of a sad reality that the big boys do get looked after in the NRL and in lots of sports leagues. But we'll tr- chat that, and we also want to. I do want to follow up on this Dylan Walkerson bidding. I just I'm still a little bit baffled by it. We'll do that after the news of Aroha for Kubota to get the shaping and building New Zealand. <laughs> Right, let's get some headlines with Joe. Thank you, Aroha. This is for Bunnings Trade Power Pass. Tradies and business builders, bat power your business with Bunnings Trade Power Pass. Joe. Tottenham Hot Spurs players are reimbursing Spurs fans the cost of their match tickets from the 6-1 defeat at Newcastle on Monday morning. Spurs were down 5-0 after 21 minutes of the game and interim manager Christian Cellini has since been sacked. Spurs fans were allocated roughly 3,000 tickets for the game the club said supporters were expected to receive a refund into their bank accounts within 24 hours, costing players roughly £80,000. Uh, elsewhere in England, Baz will be happy to see Johnny Bairstow's emphatic return to the cricket pitch after being sidelined for eight months due to injury, scoring 97 runs for Yorkshire in his first game back. And as you boys alluded to, the Warriors have added a few more players to the injury ward after a physical game in Melbourne last night. In his post-match press conference, Andrew Webster gave an update on how the Warriors' injury list is looking. Bailey passed, which is good. Yeah. Um, um, Jazz, is, Jazz will miss some time. He's had he, he had some Achilles and some calf problems, so he'll miss some time. Um, don't know yet on tour who. And yeah, and Chance has to be uh, stood down because he failed his HIA. So um, fielding a team. Look, I, I just want every player available one week this year. When that happens, that'd be great. But if it doesn't, honestly, the next guy will do his job. You know, and whoever that is back home, we're full house rocking, fine. Like, we just, we don't make excuses. Like, whatever happens, happens. And whoever wears the jersey will do a great job. I love that boy. Well said, Joe. Yeah. Yeah. How good's that, Kempe? Like, this guy, Andrew Webster, he's got me absolutely eating out of the palm of his hand at the moment. Mate, I just love the way that he handles the, handles the press. Like, straight up and down. There's no no there's no grey area. It's like you're in the you're in the team this week. Now don't let the team down. And the accountability, that's called accountability. You know what I mean? If you want to come in and play for me, then you make sure you play um if you when you're called upon and and don't let this team down. And we saw that last night. And I gotta say, Louis, the text machine's going crazy, mate, with people here talking about what's happening there, um, and their emotions last night. For me, the the emotion that I had when I I, I had it on the way home. I had a. I just got this belief that, mate, this team. If I, if you didn't think that they were good enough to make the eight last night, told you that they were good enough to make the eight. You know what I mean? So I think, and the other part of that, when I'm driving in this morning, going, well, if they do make the eight, if they if they play like they did in that first twenty minutes against the top eight side, and they don't lose the bench, mate, they're a shot. You know. Oh, I'm. I'm so keen to keep my feet on the ground, but I just I, I love this team. I'm feeling so 
so attached to this team already and it's not only a quarter of the way through the season. That Okay, the Dylan Walker Simbody no Kempe, explain this to me. To a novice or someone that hasn't ever played rugby league. And this is this is where Union and League are going to splinter off a little bit. To me, it looks like he has got his shoulder right around the ball where you would want it to be, and he's looking to put pressure on. Unfortunately, just the weight of which the player is falling, when he then naturally, inertia brings him to the ground, the head snaps back. And if there's not a head injury there, I wonder if it's just play on, because it doesn't actually look like Dill has got his arm up above on his head until they've actually hit the ground, and it doesn't look like he's forcing him to the ground with too much pressure or aggression. It just looks like he's got the ball and he's bringing him down, and then it's the actual action of hitting the floor which does the damage. Well, I called it last night um, when we were calling the game with Sammy Hewitt. Uh, straight away, I said, Dills Walker's in trouble here. And the only reason I said that is because I've been um, a victim of a head slam, and I've been part of giving someone a, 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 a full-on head slam, you know what I mean? Because you get your body, and it's all about body position, you get your body in a position when the player is tied up and your momentum takes them down and your natural um, instinct is to finish off the tackle and it hurts, mate, and it's ve- it's, it is very dangerous. And what happened in that tackle, and I explained to you how it happened, was the two people that wrapped up the ball carrier, Dills found himself around the ball and in a position of power and just followed through and of course, when you've got nowhere to put your hands to, to break your fall, it's the whiplash of the head that goes back on the ground that gives up the tackle. And yep. that's what happened in Dill's instance. As soon, so they played on, and so straight away, the players stayed down. You knew um, Elisa Kotor was out. And as soon as he came up in his eyes, you could see the whites of his eyes, the referee stopped playing. That's when it went to the bunker, and the bunker saw the, that action I just explained and went, you need to come over here. That's a head slam. Now... Knowing that and being part of it, I think they got that call right. The one, okay. the one that the one that they didn't get right was on the opposite side of the field was the Sean Johnson one and the Nelson Asifa Solomona one. Like Sean Johnson's little tickle was not a penalty. You know what I mean? And 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 it's momentum shifting. But you go over to the one on the other side with Asifa Solomona where you got Dills Walker. And and the slow motion replay caught it from behind. He did get him around the head to no penalty. Um, that's the inconsistent part of it, you know. And I think we might hear a little bit more on the Dylan Walker one with the head slam today. We'll watch this space. That's great insight, Kempe. That's very good analysis. You made me think about that. And, I, and look, we've got to protect the player that's in the vulnerable position. I just didn't think there was any intent there. But at the end of the day, that doesn't necessarily matter. Um, double eight, double three. Tim says to do what they did last night after losing so many players, they've shown more ticker in these eight games than they have the last five years. Well, I think that's how a lot of people are feeling, Louis. You know, like you get the effort that you did last night. Get, see, no one's mentioned this last year. Last year's game, they were done by seventy points. Can you remember that when we're talking? Oh, yeah. When we're talking about that, it was like, man, Depressing. where do we go? Like, you know, the, yeah. the conversation was terrible. And of course, everyone last uh, last this week and last week knew that Melbourne were coming, and we haven't won there since 2014, and yet we jump out of a 12 0 lead after after 15 minutes, and we're going, "Wow, this looks a little bit different than last year." And I think that's where that text from Tim comes from. You know, the effort is. I, go, I think if, when you see effort like what they have put in, in the, over the last eight weeks, mate, you get everyone back on the train real easy.
they're endearing themselves to people um, wide and yeah, far. Can be good morning, lads. Super proud of the Warriors. All the, as for the refs, one word: accountability works both ways. The all the best, Steve-O. Love your message there, Steve-O. We got so many good texts coming in. One last one. Haven't seen the game, but it sounds like the Storm got storm calls. Nelson gets away with murder. Other players <laughs> put hand on faces, face on ground. Get things, but I've seen. <laughs> I've seen Nelson before <laughs> more than one use a forum on a player on the ground. So Mike thinks he knows what's happened without seeing the game. And it's, uh, look, there's lots of people that, that like to say the storm gets storm calls. But unfortunately, they came out on the wrong side of it last night, the Warriors. But they played very tough. We've got so many good texts here to get to before the end of the hour. We're also going to have our $50 TAB, a bonus bet. Quizzy Dag, 0800 150 811. Give us a call. Take on the Kemp Master. And win yourself a $50 TAB bonus bet right now. Quiz is on the line, just one at a time. Don't Google a lie, phone a friend, you'll be fine. Just listen for the signs, TAB with the prize. 50 bucks if you're wise. If you're wrong, and then we'll say goodbye. This is how we do it. This is how we do it. Quizzy, there, come play it. Quizzy that come play it 0800 150 811 Now give us a call Yes, that's right. Don't be shy like the referee was to put Nelson or Sefa Solomon in the sin bin and give us a call on the Kennard's High phone line 0800 150 811 for your chance to win a $50 bonus bet. We've got a, ooh, a pretty tough one this morning and I'm looking at it. I've... Uh, Looked at what the boys have put together. So best of luck. We're going to Mark and Todong on first up. Morning, Mark. Morning, boys. How are you? Yeah, good, mate. How are you going? Not too bad. Nice weekend away up in the Coromandel, so it was good. Yeah, I actually thought I passed you. I passed you on the way back from the north, but um, no, it's a long way from the Coromandel. Let's get into it. First question. Which New Zealand athlete was set to headline Fight for Life in 2022 but had to pull out due to an unfortunate negative checkup with the doctors beforehand? Bang. Question number two. Which NBA star set a franchise playoff record for points in a game their team in their game teams win yesterday? No idea, so we'll go with old mate LeBron. <laughs> at least at least you're honest. Oh no, it wasn't LeBron Marky. We'll talk to you soon. We'll go to Damon and Palmy. Morning, Damon. Good morning, lads. How are you? Yeah, really good, mate. How are you? Yeah, well, a little bit down after the Warriors, but still proud of them. It was a, an awesome game to watch. I couldn't believe the start. They played so well. Yeah, no, they were on, they were on fire, and uh, it looks good for the future. Let's go question number two. Which NBA star set a franchise playoff record for points in a game in their team's win yesterday? Jimmy Butler. E- easy. Name one of the two fighters that will compete in middleweight title eliminator to, to decide who gets the next shot at Israel Adesanya's belt. Robert Whitaker. <laughs> Do you know who the other one is? Um, Duplessis, South African guy. I think I read it yesterday. Yeah, and uh, I don't know if you saw Izzy put out a, a Twitter yesterday and said, I hope you win. He wants he wants Duplessis just to be the king of Africa. Uh, question number four. Uh, Sir Kalisi is in doubt for the Rugby World Cup. That's the South African captain after suffering a knee injury. What year did Sia debut for the Springboks? Oh, um, it'd have to be about. Can I have a clue, please? Yes, you can. 
It was in between our back-to-back World Cups. In between our back-to-back. Oh, okay, so 2013. Bang, here we go. This is the Good money. Clue. This is the money question. Mark Chapman was awarded top one scorer for the T <laughs> Twenty series against Pakistan. How many runs did he score in the five games? Oh, um, I read this. <laughs> um, was it two hundred and fifty-nine? No. <laughs> Very close, Damon, but uh, no chocolates on that occasion. Thanks for calling and call back in tomorrow. Let's go to Luki in Dunedin. The timing, Luki. Morning. Morning. <laughs> you got this one. What is it? No. Give us a clue. We have a clue. Roman numerals. You're a teacher, so you should know these. They still teach Roman numerals in schools? They should. C C <laughs> X C. <laughs> C-C-X-C in Roman numerals. It sounds like faulty tells. 290. That's it! <laughs> it's actually made sense. It's not a bad Roman numeral. It's, it makes sense, doesn't it? Very good. Done well there. Well done, Loki. That's uh, a $50 TAB bonus bet coming your way. Uh, don't forget, dial back in tomorrow for another chance to win that $50 bonus bet. We'll take a break and see you after this. Indeed. Sammy, that was down a man, wasn't it? It was. Um, and that pass from Nickel Clockstead to Watini uh, Zelezniak, it was silky, mate. Like, Sean threw it. The pass from Sean, I'm actually just looking at it on the TV now, the pass from Sean was a bullet. There was mm. no harbour bridge in it, which means there was mm. no loop in it. And it went straight to Nickel Clockstead, who just caught it off his chest there and just moved it to the, to the right and... What well, Tennessee is that? We wouldn't get a, a sweeter pass to run in for a try than that one. It was so nice. It was to awesome. Watch. It was awesome. Uh, a couple of good texts here. I'm not a cheerleader for Warriors, but I am a fan since 1995. Words like resilient, gutsy, and determined means nothing to me if we lose. I hope we. we I hope the bar has been raised, which I think it has. We got hammered after going up 12-0. Not good enough in my eyes, Kevin. <laughs> well, you know, he's, uh, he's, been there, he's been there since day one. He knows what it feels like to win. And, you know, I guess the loss is, is for some people just isn't good enough. And that's fair enough. Um, but when you're coming off the last five years, you've got to remember they haven't been to Melbourne since 2014 and won. You know, it's Anzac, it's Anzac Test that's playing for the Mike Moore Trophy. There's so much on the line last night. And given uh, a take that the injuries didn't occur, I actually think they would have they won. I tend to agree, Kempe. I, I do. And I think the good news is for our texter here, Kevin, is that I think Andrew Webster kind of agrees with you. So I think they're setting the bar high as well, Kevin. So stay tuned. I love racing.nz to home for thoroughbred racing. What well on, lads. Tipping out the double yesterday. Mr. Mojo Rising and just a floozy. It seems like everybody was on. Um, we all had a fill-up. It was a, a, a great favourites day, actually, at Avondale, which you don't really say too often. There were a couple of bets to have. And today, Kimpy, they're back at Harwada. And I noticed one horse in particular back at the races after racing in Australia, Syndicato. Very interested to see Syndicato back at the races. Um, he's obviously got the talent. They sent him to Australia. He was with Chris Waller. He's come back for Royden Burgesson. Now, the one they've come for in race number seven is Stallone. 
Anna Clement. I've seen the Savabil guy uh, go through the grades last year, and he was very progressive. But Syndicato is a big watch for me. Um, just knowing what he can, where he can get to, he could be handling this field quite easily. And the other horse, I'll just put a bit of a alert on. They thought she might have been the Thousand Guineas winner. Stella Splendida in race six. She didn't end up finishing off her last preparation, but she has a lot of talent. Stella Splendida, Michael McNabb takes the ride. So they're my two to watch today, Kimby. Yeah, very good. And uh, Mark, uh, Mark Walker, Michael McNabb, they're on absolute fire at the moment. He's taken a, a big uh, a big heap down there to Harwood. Of course, it's the first of the jumps, season two, Louis, which is a um, big start down in Taranaki. Uh, if you like jumps racing, well, then tune in today. Down at uh, Ngāti Ruanui, they put on a good event there at Hawara. Great point. The first of the jumps racing, such an important day on the racing calendar for so many of the participants. So good luck to everybody out there. And um, a couple of days ago, we, we lost another good one in Dean Holland across the ditch. So we know too well what that sad feeling's like when you lose a jockey. So we're thinking of our brothers and sisters across the ditch in well Australia. Seen. We are going to talk rugby with Dave Dooley up after the news with for Kubota, together with Shaping and Building New Zealand. SENZ, good morning to you. It is three minutes past seven o'clock. Izzy and Kempi for breakfast. Dagger still up there gallivanting with the beef in France, but Kempi's on the backup. He's on the short backup this morning, and he's hard up on the bridle talking warriors. We've had so many of your calls and texts yeah, already, and we're going to get back to those, Kempi. We'll take in your highlights from last night with Sammy Hewitt as well. Before the end of the hour, we'll hear from Blair Tickner out of the Black Caps camp. We've got so much going on at the moment. Don't worry, Warriors and NRL fans. We will cover this in depth. But on Wednesdays, as we always like to do. Sport and the connection to the land. On Izzy and Kempe for breakfast. Collier's Rural and Agribusiness. Licence REAA 2008. Yeah, very few Kiwis get to live out just one of their childhood dreams, let alone two, like rugby star turned horse stud owner Dave Dooley. You may remember Dave from his time in the NPC with Waikato and Bay of Plenty, or even in Super Rugby with those red hot chiefs, but it's on the farm where Dave now makes his mark. As co-owner of Lansdowne Park, Dave has had an immediate impact on the thoroughbred industry preparing horses for the sales and providing beautiful care and pastures for horses needing a spell. He's on the line with us this morning to talk about his journey as an athlete to farm owner. Morning, Dave. How are you? Morning, boys. How are you? Yeah, really good, mate. Hey, look, before we get started on the racing side of things, what have you made of the Chiefs' performances this year so far? Oh, they've been unbelievable. Really good. Um, I just like their consistency. Pretty, they're in line with sort of how the Warriors are playing. Like, they're just so consistent. They're playing well. I don't, I don't think I've seen a bad game from them yet. So, well, we haven't played it. so they haven't played a bad game ever. So you're a mad Warriors supporter too, Dave, that I've, I've found out. Um, did you stay and watch oh, the game look, last night? Look, 
Look, Kempi, I was brought up in Australia, so um, I... Oh, you're a Newcastle fan? Uh, no, no, I'm not a Newcastle fan. I, I, Manly was probably my first team. Uh, you know, like, you know, you had Reggie and those sort of blokes playing there and you sort of had a bit of a alliance because I was a Kiwi living in Australia, you know what I mean? So, yeah, Manly was probably my first team. But, mate, I'm a Warriors man now. I love watching them. They're just... Oh, mate, look, I, I do... You know, I didn't, probably didn't watch all the games, you know, when they weren't going so well, but I'm watching them all now. Don't worry about that. Fair enough, Dave. I think there's a lot of people in that boat. Great to have you on the show, mate. Um, you've got an interesting crossover of sport and racing. I'm curious when you, you realised during your playing career or your footy career that racing was definitely something you were going to head back to and get really get stuck into. Was there kind of a penny drop moment that that's what you wanted to be doing? Oh, look, I always watch the races. I always had it, you know, like every every you know, Saturday I'll be watching races um, and that sort of stuff. Uh, I was younger, I was brought up with horses and so like it was sort of go back to where my roots were, you know, so I used to ride ponies and do all that right up until I was sort of 10 years old. So, uh, yeah, it was sort of uh, just the love that I had for the horse really would brought me back to it. Must must have been a hell of a big pony that you were on, Dave. <laughs> oh, mate, I was, a, I, was a, I was a skinny little white boy, mate, that lived lived in Waharoa. I don't know if you know where Waharoa is, mate, but... Uh, I do. Yeah, uh, yeah, 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 so that's... Yeah. Um, yeah. No, it was... It was sorry. Well, I was just going to say, we'll leave that one, because that one's a hard one to explain yeah. when I look at you now, skinny white boy. You're, you're like seven <laughs> foot tall. <laughs> but how did Leonstown yeah. Park come about? Uh, Lansdowne Park just came about. Obviously, finishing your rugby career, like every rugby player is like, what the hell? What the hell am I going to do? You know, what the hell am I going to do now? You know, it's, it's, it's every sort of sportsman, you know, unless they're a bit smarter than myself, have you know, university. Some have university degrees, some don't. And it was, it was like, what am I going to do? What do I love? You know, you put down a list of what you love. You go and see these counsellors, and they go, well, what do you love? Oh, I love horses. And so that sort of just eventuated from that, I was lucky enough to uh, have a little bit of money in the bank that I could I could put a deposit down on a farm, and and that's how it sort of started. I was like started just uh, selling racehorses and doing a bit of adjustment, and and then I uh, we call it penalty, so you buy them as uh, weanlings and then you sell them as yearlings, and I, I just love that. That was sort of um, what I love, and and that was sort of where I went with with it, sort of trying to pinhook. Um, you know, you look at a horse and it's very much like looking at a bloody rugby league player to be honest. Like you look at an athlete, you, you, you can look at a Silvaka Sheck and go, he'll be a good rugby, rugby league player because he looks like he can run. And it's the same with horses. So, yeah. I just had a bit of an eye for a horse, really. So, so there's a bit of natural knack to it. What about learning the the things that are necessary to keep a thoroughbred business ticking over, Dave, like there would have been lots of nuances and I'm sure, as everybody knows in the racing game, there are plenty of moments where you go, uh-oh, and you kind of got to show a lot of resilience. So you, if you just learnt on the tools or if you had mentors or... Yeah, I've had a few mentors. I've bloody, you know, I had, uh, you know, I've had bloody lots of mentors. And Roddy Sheck, who's uh, Windsor Park stud, you know, I used to live next door to, uh, so my first farm was uh, on Lansdowne Road. That's how we got the name, Lansdowne Park, and it was next to John Thompson. So he was a he was a, another mentor for me. Um, those two blokes, yeah, they were, they were very helpful. Um, 
you do. You just learn on the on the job. The thing with horses, and and if you if you don't do it, then you 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 know you you never stop learning with them. There's, every day there's something something different pops up with them, you know. They're, and you, you've sort of just got to keep learning. I'm lucky my partner's a, a vet, um, and you know, so we we I'm learning off her every day too, Jude. She just uh, she teaches me things that you know vet stuff that just uh, helps with what we do here. So. Oh, good good for the finances as well. Those vets charge through the roof, don't they? Yeah, it's, they do. They do. They do. They deserve it, though. You know, like they they do deserve it. I, I don't want to uh, make the comment that they charge through the roof because uh, you know they, they do deserve what they do because it's a bloody no. Uh, they go to uni. Yeah, you know, I, I don't want to get uh, start a, a uh, argument in the house. <laughs> happy wife, happy life, mate. <laughs> I t- totally, totally agree. And and they also do yeah. the the work where where things go pear shaped, and you 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 obviously none of us are qualified to do it. So they do a very important job, Dave. Um, you mentioned John Thompson. I know you're heavily involved in the Breeders Association as well. You you must have been so proud of the way New Zealand represented itself and and the way the our breeding industry is going. We spoke to Andrew Seabrook after the championships at Randwick and he, he spoke about the bloodlines and, and, you know, our breeders breeding for the racetrack rather than the sales ring and it must have made you so proud seeing the likes of Rich Hill and Little Lavendale and, well, of course, Waikato Stud, they're no, no exception to success, but, you know, being in your role with the Breeders Association, you, you must be just absolutely buzzing at the moment. Mate, I am absolutely buzzing. Like, it's- so we have a dinner every year and we have, uh, you know, uh, it's a group one dinner for the whole of New Zealand. We normally have about, you know, uh, we sort of get the 22. This year, I think we're going to have 30 individual group one winners coming to coming to the, you know, to the dinner around about that. Um, and it hasn't stopped yet. We've still got Brisbane to go. And I think, just tipping you guys, I think there's a couple of horses that we haven't seen yet that might win a group one from New Zealand going to, to Brisbane. Um, you know, it's, for, for the for the breeder, it's it's just like Quasi is a great story. You know, there's there's uh, so many small breeders, which you know that, the service fee back then was seven grand. I don't, I, I don't don't quote me, but I think it was like something like twenty grand or something to buy a share in the share in Quasi. So these guys that have got these shares are now, you know, you can't, you can't those guys couldn't afford the seventy grand. So they've got these shares and they're going to be able to breed their mares, their mares, you know, to, to better. To, to, Supplies there and, and upgrade their, their their stock. So it's just a win-win for our uh, industry, you know. And you know, you, 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 I, I, we, we all talk, we all know Quasier. He's the headline horse at the moment. But you know, Savabil is just doing a fantastic. He just never stops. He, you, you think the you think the buddy Quasier's oh yeah, here we go, and then Savabil pops up with Wish I Win and buddy uh, the Derby winner of Gaze there, and it's just how good. How good for the industry at the moment? Just so good. And and just talking about the industry, Dave, at the moment, what what are you? What's your take on it with all the changes that are happening um, and putting put, being put in place? And and are we on a, a sort of golden run over the next five years with, you know, how our three year olds especially have hit the hit the tracks this year? Yeah, I, I, I do think we're on a golden run. I still think we need more stallions. Uh, but he won the part this year, bought in Profondo, which is a a, a good horse. We need it. Probably need one or two more. Um, what's happened now, because of uh, the success of Satano Aladdin and Quasir and 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 whatnot, uh, 
the, the next level of stallion is it, it, it's a little bit harder for a breeder to, to pick where they're going to go. Um, there's a couple of a couple of uh, ones I'm watching. Uh, you know, they've got a Drossy just about popping up now, and the Hayside just had a, a very good runner yesterday. If you watched that run, Louis, uh, yesterday uh, in the two-year-old race, I thought that was a really good run by that Ace Life um, of Molly, something of uh, Lance and uh, Scotty. Uh, so there's 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 horses coming. We're in a, we're in a good position, um, and I think we just need to keep getting new stock in. Buying a few brood mares, I think you know John is known as the tightest man in um, in, in uh, the thoroughbred game, and he he's very proud of it. Uh, I've never seen his wallet, uh, but that's you know that's, that's him. But I think he's going to have to get his wallet out now with all this money that he's got from players here and buy a couple of mares. So. Uh, next time <laughs> I don't think they could they, they could get away with putting Prasser up to seventy and then John still being the tightest man in racing because I reckon people will be on to Molly Bloom was that ace high and um, yeah, yeah ace high very yeah, exciting. Go, go and have a look at that run. That was a bloody good run, I thought. Really, really good. Mm. Yeah. And Orchestral yeah. that that will be a great form race. That just a floozy race. Um, they'll they'll all come out strong. Hey, uh, before we let you go, Dave. Look, we've gone 15 minutes and we haven't mentioned it. Rapini, does he still have nightmares about it? Uh, look, he, he he does. I think he, you know, <laughs> I, I think he would because, like, you know, who, who does that, you know? Uh, I'm talking myself up here. Look, it's the only... When I, when I was playing rugby, it was the only thing... I, I'd go, look, guys, I don't want to talk about it, you know. It's, it's, I want to be remembered for something else. Uh, I'm not. No one else. Did. The only thing they remember is I still get it today. The only old builder comes. Oh, you're the guy that ran down that that winger. So uh, <laughs> look, oh, I, I I play on it now, and it, it was it was sort of 50 meters. It's gone to about 80 meters. Um, if you go and look at it, uh, I probably would have been penalised in in today's game. I, I sort of went around the I'd say neck, but I'd, collar. I'd just a little bit higher collar, collar. Yeah. So, but it was uh, yeah. I, it's something something I could. I show my kids regularly. I also send it to any of my mates that want to see it. Uh, so anyone that wants to see it, I pretty much show it to them. There. Mate, fair enough as well. Oh, I love it. I think it's brilliant. Um, really enjoyed chatting to you, Dave. And Crusaders Chiefs this weekend. The Crusaders would be hard pressed to go in there and stop the Chiefs. I think you'll um, no doubt be very proud of how they're going. Very proud. Very proud of uh, Donk, who played McMillan. I played with him at the Bay of Plenty and. Just to see him coming coming along as a coach, you know, like I can see him being an all-back coach one day. Uh, you know, he's got the respect of the players and he's certainly uh, done a bloody good job there at, at the Chiefs. So. Uh, awesome, mate. Great insight. Uh, very, very stoked to have you in the, the racing game here. It's um, very cool what you're doing at Lansdowne Park. And we'll talk again, Dave. Awesome, guys. You guys do a great job too. And uh, we'll, uh, I love listening to you and we'll, we'll uh, probably talk again soon. There you go. Dave Dooley uh, there at Lansdowne Park, former Waikato player, former Chiefs player, Bay of Plenty player, and, of course, we're talking about the day he ran down Rapini, uh, Rapini Kempi, which is something that you would hang your hat on for the rest of your life. I, it, of course, and build yourself up. I was waiting for more stories, you know, about uh, being the the sprint champion at primary and intermediate and all that sort of stuff. You know, but he's, a good, he's a good man, Dave. Um, what a life, you know, going through that sport and then, then now in, in that industry, as we uh, always profile on this show, the the, the, the similarities between ra- racing and, and sport, especially rugby, rugby league, is so similar. So uh, nice to have him on. That's a good get this morning, Louis, uh, talking about 
all of the, I guess the, you know, mate, getting horses prepared, not that easy. No, well, getting NRL players prepared, not that easy as well. Actually, very similar to Nick White, who's we spoke to a couple yeah. of weeks ago. Very similar lifestyles, and, and that's the sort of thing, Nick, I, I know they're trying to get into more and more. That's Dave Dooley, a profit from the best advice with Collier's Rural and Agribusiness, licensed REAA 2008. Love the support of Collier's Rural, so we can keep talking to some of these great regional legends. It's 18 minutes past seven. We've got some great texts here to get to on the Warriors, Kempi, and we also want to take in your highlights from your commentary last night. Let's talk more Warriors. 0800 150 How are you feeling this morning? Referees, are you feeling pride? Are you feeling disappointed? Are you gutted? Come right through for a chat. We've got time now to do it. We're here with Chemist Warehouse, Real House of Fragrance. Better space with the middle if they can find it. Walker finds Ford! Ford goes over! Ford goes over after just four and a half minutes. Five metres out from the storm line, third tackle. They come back to the right. Here's Johnson. Johnson then finds Pickle Kluster. And it goes through to Watini Zelizniak on the right-hand edge. And the man with the Lionel Richie hairdo scores another four-pointer. Here's Munster. Shake for the storm. If they can get the ball away, they do to Justin Allen. He doesn't waste any time. He puts the ball down on the left-hand edge. Coming back to Fanua Blake. He's not going to take a carry. He goes himself. Adam Fanua Blake. Straight through the Storm defence. Oh, it's a dodgy play. The ball, the referee's okay with it. And coming through the middle is Munster. That is too easy for the Storm. After the Warriors had defended for the best part of five minutes. Finally, they break. Lussick's going to go right again. He finds Johnson. Johnson has men shaping out towards the right. Here's Nicole Kluster. Finds Pompey. Finds Dallowitzelizniak. And he scores his second in the right-hand corner. Munster finds Meany. And then a long pass out wide to Coates. He's got space to move Xavier Coates. Puts a kick back into the middle. Running through his Meany. And it's a try for the Storm. And what a try it is. Here's Hughes. Big kick into the end goal. Slipping over was the uh, Storm winger. The ball bounces free and Meany's going to pick it up. Disaster for the Warriors. Who just had to grab the football in the end goal. And it would have been a 20 metre restart. Instead it's Nick Meany. Who goes through for try number two. And they get six again on the last. And here goes Harry Grant. Can he get there? He's fighting. He can. And that'll probably do it. The Melbourne Storm scored just underneath the sticks. Harry Grant, he will blow his whistle. And it is not to be for the Warriors. In 2023, they will remain without a victory in an Anzac Day game. What a game. A record stretching back to 2014. A great game, but it ends 30 points to 22 in favour of the Melbourne Storm. Not without putting in one of the great shifts in a Warriors jersey. Didn't come up with the chocolates, but injury, uh, refereeing, disappointment, the lot. It was a hell of an Anzac Day clash, Kempi. You were there. you just been able to marinate at it for about an hour and a half this morning. Are you, are you still... Um, are you still kind of that same level of belief that you were when you started the show today? Is that oh, what you feel? Even more so. You know, they come out of half time, they go 22 to 12, and then... The wheels start falling out off with the injuries and the and the calls. You know, it could have been so, so different. But but some big moments that um, they didn't capitalise on the Warriors. And when you've got the likes of Munster and uh, Jerome Hughes in a in a tight game like that, you probably don't want anyone better. 
you know, to know how to shut the game up because it came, became a game of chess there uh, in the back end of the game where the kicking game and they made the Warriors work off their own trial line um, continuously for that last 20 minutes and just wore them down. And in the end, a couple of smart plays through that middle with that spine uh, catches the Warriors out late. I, I've looked at it again. That transition when uh, Watini Zelezniak went to fullback and Chancellor Nicole Cox there went out, his very first play was the bomb where he went up with uh, Ed Cossey and I think it was Remus Smith who were the six pairs of hands in the air that don't, didn't find Remus <laughs> Smith's hands, only the other four, um, was a big, big moment. You know, and I can hear what Andrew Webster's saying about that as far as, you know, well, where were we when the when uh, it fell back into Nick Meaney's hands? You know, we should, we should have been there cleaning that up. But um, you can't take away the effort that they put in. They were gone with the – I said to – I think I remember last night I said to Sam there was 13 minutes to go and I said, Bunty, if I was looking for, looking for the bench, he's got to stay out there because there's no one else coming on here. And – of course, you know, when you've got those five-star um, halves such as uh, Hughes and Munster, they recognise things like that. And there was a couple of moments in that last 10 minutes where they went through and, and just uh, that momentum shift, they couldn't stop it. Gutted at the result, but really proud of the effort in the face of adversity, says Jamie. Look, I'm happy with the r- effort for the Warriors, but grumpy that they lost. Concerning trend this year that they're not closing out games. Last week was the only time, all the games, not the only time, the only all the games they lost, they could have and should have won, but didn't. Jimmy, a couple of hard taskmasters. Well, the good news for you guys is I think Andrew Webster is similar. He he wants to keep winning these games. He wants to be winning these games. Simon, you're in Hamilton. What did you make of the game last night, mate? Well, I enjoyed the first 60 minutes. Um, hey, my, my call is about um, a player that sort of scored a couple of tries last night, but probably cost us a couple of tries. What are your guys' thoughts on um, DWZ and his uh, defensive reads? Because to me, it looked like he's not trusting the guys on the inside. What are your thoughts? Yeah, there was one, the first try that they went down his edge uh, where he's coming right past the back rower uh, when Ollum's got the ball and just put the ball down was a really bad read. I totally, totally agree with you there, Simon. Um, but th- those edges are taught to come up and take the next man past the ball, not to worry about the man on the outside. And, you, yeah. you know, it, hopefully it does continue to get better and he does have, have an opportunity to trust that bloke on the inside because there is a a decision-making process there. He's only two weeks back into the season because of that injury where you think someone with that um, calibre of seniority makes a better decision than the one he did uh, last night. And I, I hear, you know, wingers, they're, the, they're, the, like, they're so frustrating. You know, either they're not scoring tries or they're letting tries in. And, um, yeah, I, I hear I hear what you're saying as far as letting a couple in last night. But... You know he is a very very good player. A lot of uh, a lot of his carries last night, a lot of the work that he did um, was exceptional. And unfortunately for them, I just don't think you can put it down to one player. I think it's uh, across the the bench being lost, and and of course some, I, I guess momentum shifts by referees' decisions. You know the Warriors they could have easily had that if it was uh, a full bench and and probably shared equally around those decisions. Taking all that into account, and say if everybody was available, does 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 he get dropped, or has he done enough in the general game? For me, it's just sort of a guy of that ilk, been around a long time now, and and it hasn't sort of, I guess it has happened um, this year, but I, I just sort of thought it was pretty poor, really, and 
Um, I'm taking nothing away from the Warriors. It's uh, There's one guy that changed that game, and that's the big fella from Melbourne, you know. As soon as he came on, he just they couldn't stop him, and, and that just created space for everything else. Well, Simon, you're not alone because somebody on the text machine here says, can we please sign Nelson, Asafa, Solomon, and McFadden reckons we still have a Marky Ford to sign. So um, maybe if he was putting late and high shots on for the Warriors, we'd be less concerned this morning. 29 away from eight. We'll get Kempe's, we'll get Kempe's thoughts on Dallin. I did have it written down in my notes as well, Kev, uh, Kempe, that occasionally the outside, those edges looked a little bit more like last year's defence than this year's defence. And I know where Simon's coming from. We'll continue this conversation after the news with Aroha for Kubota, together with Shaping and Building New Zealand. Then we'll get some headlines with Joseph. <laughs> Seven minutes away from 8 o'clock, loving chatting to you about the Warriors today. The text machine, Kempe, is running red hot. We're going to have to get to some of these in just a second, but first here's the headlines with Joe for Kennard's Hire. Too easy weekend. Collingwood recovered from 28 points down at three-quarter time to win an epic Anzac Day encounter over traditional rivals Essendon at the MCG in front of a record crowd for the annual blockbuster of over 95,000 people in attendance, the second biggest AFL home and away crowd ever and the largest ever seen on Anzac Day. And in Formula 1 action, boys, uh, Formula 1 is set to introduce a new format for sprint races starting at this weekend's Azerbaijan Grand Prix. The sprint has been made independent of the Grand Prix and will have its own qualifying session known as the Sprint Shootout. The idea behind the changes is to introduce more jeopardy into the sprint by encouraging drivers to take more risks. And the big news yesterday was the announcement that Mark Chapman will join the Black Caps ODI squad, taking on Pakistan with the first match tomorrow night. Mark revealed that his addition to the side came as a surprise to even himself as he was ready to leave Pakistan almost immediately after he won the fifth T20 for New Zealand. Yeah, well, uh, I guess I had to check back into my rooms because I'd already paid my bill and checked out. So um, sort of had my suitcases at the ground ready to go and um, I guess brought them back to the hotel and started unpacking. When I got back, yeah, I had to get another room key. <laughs> I love this. And uh, Blair Tickner speaks about having all his luggage at the ground ready to go to the airport. We're going to chat to Blair Tickner in just a second. Thank you, Joe. Ken Artire, two easy weekend, two days higher for the price of one. Visit a branch today. T's and C's apply. Texas says Nelson is already re-signed with the storm. But what about this message from Finn here, Kempe? Do you want to have a crack at that? Yeah, he says, morning, boys. Just wanting to see if, uh, what your thoughts are on Remus Smith getting a hand of the ball into Melbourne's try that took the lead. The hand of God is at it again. Looks certainly got a finger to it from what I saw. Proper wound up this morning, about four hours sleep. That's from Finn. <laughs> yeah, I know how you feel, Finny. And, uh, mate, look, we were calling it. And there's no way in the world anyone in their right mind would not call that back with six hands tangled around the football. So I don't know what they were looking at. If, I've looked at it again at least twice or three times this morning because it's replaying on the TV uh, in the studio here. There's hands there. You can't tell whose hand it hits. And talking about a finger, of course the fingers are all in there. Um, and I think that's one that they got wrong. I do think, Louis, that they will ask a, a please for a please explain. Um, they should. Not just on that. There's a couple of calls in the game where they, they need to have a please explain, especially the Sean Johnson dropout. 
You know, the Sean Johnson dropout on the back of that Munster goes over and scores a try. It's a, a, the momentum shifts on, on decisions like that are, ha- are massive. Well, Andrew Webster was pride about it in the press conference after the game. Um, Neeps, you got that good to go? Uh, he's pretty much been asked essentially just that, Kempi. What do you reckon about the Sean Johnson uh, dropout situation? The crucial moment in the first half is the, um, the Sean Johnson goal line dropout. Do you feel as though it needs to be uh, officiated like that every single time? Uh, yeah. I don't I, I just, yeah. Exactly. Well, <laughs> mate, like that's exactly right. Like you know, although it's a very short three-letter answer, yep. I uh, just you know what yeah. I mean. What he's saying, and I'll expand on it for you about what we be saying is be consistent. Like if you are going to give those penalties away, give them away all the time, and then you won't have to ask me that question in the in the um, in the press conferences. You like I'm, I'll tell you what we're going to be watching on the weekend. We'll be watching the roosters drop it out from under the post to see whether or not they're meeting in front of the football. I'm going to start a Twitter thread, and I'll post every screen grab of every time <laughs> they take a penalty kick or players kick for touch, both league and union. It's Off the mark. Off the mark. It's <laughs> insane. Please, it, was, it was nitpicking. 22 away from eight, double eight, double three. Mark, Brett, we'll get to your messages. Dale, yours as well before the end of the hour. But after this, it's Blair Tickner out of Pakistan. Joining us this morning on SENZ Breakfast, uh, he's had a wonderful run through the summer uh, against Sri Lanka, playing all different formats of cricket for his country, which I'm sure makes him and his family very, very proud. It's Blair Tickner, and Blair, it's been a, a pretty crazy time for you guys in Pakistan coming through that T20 series. Oh, we were just joking, it's like you've been in a few different time zones with the amount of uh, different hours and late nights you've had. Yeah, it's been, uh, thanks for having me. Uh, it's been crazy, really. We've been uh, finishing games at, yeah, after midnight and getting back to the hotel at 2am. So it's been pretty crazy getting used to that and going to breakfast at midday. So um, now it'll be nice to get into the one day and a little bit of sunshine hours for us. It's like the life of the rich and famous, mate. It's like you're a, um, a travelling kind of rock band. I'm sure that's what they would have done back in the day, you know, the kind of like Rolling Stones-esque party all night, sleep in till the PM. Yeah, I don't know if it's that, that, that good. I think we're um, just playing at, at the time that they love to play. I guess 9 o'clock um, starts a bit late for it back home. But, yeah, that's no, been enjoyable so far. Now, just before we get into the cricket, I did see that you guys managed to get down for a dawn service. Um, obviously, an amazing amount of history in Pakistan with their own uh, war history and, and the you know what that country's been through. So it would have been quite an experience to get down for an Anzac dawn service on a couple of hours sleep uh, yesterday. Yeah, obviously we finished the game at about 12.45 and then we um, got back to the hotel at 2 and we quickly got a little bit of sleep sleep and uh, we were lucky enough to get invited to the Australian Embassy um, to um, have the dawn service. We don't have a uh, New Zealand Embassy here so it was awesome to let them come up, uh, let us come along and um, it was an awesome service to be part of really. Um, so yeah, it was definitely an awesome experience. Uh, it was very cool to see you guys making the effort down there. It was um, yeah, excellent to see. Right, now this T20 series, it had a bit of everything and 
It, look, Ian Smith's been saying on SCNZ right the way through that we really shouldn't underrate this performance, this gutsy side was, this the gutsy performances you guys were putting out because Pakistan, they were loaded here. Obviously, we know the, the situation with the IPL, so a lot of their top-line players. How competitive was it out there during that T20 series? Yeah, it's obviously, um, they're, they're a stacked team and they've got a... Uh, awesome lineup, and um, yeah, to obviously draw the series late um, to all, it's just been it's been awesome. And obviously, um, we came over from a New Zealand summer, so we've been trying to get used to the conditions. And we actually have only trained once since we've been here, um, but just because it's been such a um, stacked schedule. So to end the series to all is um, yeah, it's pretty amazing um, from the team and some of the individual performances like uh, Mark Chapman. Well, and yourself, mate. Three for 33 in the closeout game. I think that probably, just because of Mark Chapman's knock, probably went a little bit underrated. And we spoke to Matt Henry uh, back earlier in the series, and he he said the same thing. It's getting used to these conditions, is, especially for the players that haven't toured that much, was going to be crucial. And it was something that you kind of couldn't rush. You just needed to work it out. So for you personally... Have you managed to get your head around what you, what sort of decks you're bowling on and, and what subtle changes did you use throughout the series or kind of in that last performance be able to hone in to take a couple of poles? Yeah, well, obviously this is, well, not obviously, but this is my third time here and I've um, I've run drinks a fair few times here but never actually played um, in Pakistan. And I remember saying to Shane Jurgison, our bowling coach, last night, I said, um, you know, I haven't, we haven't trained here, but I'm pretty confident with all my deliveries except like things like the bouncer because I have no idea how, how short to dig it in and stuff like that. But um, sort of got a read on the wicket after the first few overs that it was um, a little bit holdy and I went to my slow early on which um, tended to work and it picked up a few wickets from there and um, yeah overall pretty happy with it after yeah only training months in the last month I think. Yeah, it's incredible it's a really good effort mate how much does your height help you when you are bowling into these sorts of decks? Yeah, we were also talking about how they bowl. They they try to skid it off and obviously bowl with extra pace, um, whereas we're a bit taller and we hit the deck a little bit harder. So it's funny how different ways skin a cat really. They they you know, try to skid it through fast and we like to use our cutters and our height. So um, last night it obviously paid off, but um, it's, it's going to be interesting throughout the one-day series. Just being a spectator to that innings from uh, Mark Chapman, like we, we've seen the footage, amazing. You know, Jimmy Neesham joked he's thrown his passport out the bus window. He's be, he's taken his luggage and checked back into the hotel. <laughs> he was probably looking forward to a wee kip on the plane on the way home, but instead he's got to do it in the hotel. But being there and seeing him get a call up into the ODI's squad after that knock and actually just the totality of his runs across the series – it must be so impressive for you know uh, to see a young guy performing like that on on a huge stage against us as we, what you see was a stacked Pakistan side. Yeah, yeah, it's um, been pretty amazing the whole time. I mean, he took it to some of their guys on in their conditions and um, really swung the games in our favour. And it was yeah, I haven't personally seen someone do that overseas um, firsthand so for him to do that it was pretty special and um, yeah it was actually quite funny because we joked about how well he's been batting and we're saying oh we wish he was staying on and he even took his uh, <laughs> took his bags to the ground because um, he was supposed to fly out straight away after the game 
and then got told that uh, nah, he'll be staying on. So don't know how the conversation went with his missus, but I'm um, nah, stoked to have him in the one day series. <laughs> Well, the nation thanks her because it'll be um, great to have him out there for the yeah, the ODIs and uh, no doubt he's going to get a run. And y- yourself as well, mate. It'll be good to um, see you play some 50 over cricket. What changes? I think you guys have training tomorrow ahead of the first, well, today for us, ahead of the first ODI tomorrow night. What, what, what do you work on in between going from T20 to ODI or is it really much the same but just more reps and getting some more time in the conditions? Yeah, obviously now most of the guys have played some games. It's uh, we sort of know the conditions a little bit better, um, but obviously been day before training, we're not going to be able to do a hell of a lot. So it's just just getting back into the routine. I think the batters will be hitting a lot of balls, so we'll be there for a while. But um, now the guys are pretty fired up for these one days, and we've been playing some really good one day cricket. So it's going to be an awesome series. Yes, and look, with the context of a World Cup this year, is there, um, well, I know, the, the, look, the, the series against Pakistan will be firmly in the foremost of everybody's mind, but there's obviously still spots in this World Cup squad up for grabs and steady and the, the guys will be watching very closely at performances like yourself, 3 for 33 in the last T20 and, and if you can carry that form over. So is that something you're conscious about as an athlete or do you try and take that noise out? Yeah, well, obviously it's our last series and probably until they name the squad that's going to go to the World Cup, so you always want to uh, perform and the conditions are similar to what we'll see in India. So uh, I think it's big for all the players, but uh, yeah, first-hand, obviously you want to um, do well for the team and make sure that we can win the series. Um, get another one-day series over here, win would be amazing, especially, like you said earlier, with their, their team that's quite stacked and probably their World Cup side. So um, it'll be an awesome um, series coming up. It's not an easy place to win, as Smithy was saying. He never did it, so um, you guys are going super at the moment. And I guess, Blair, for you, it's been a big summer, mate, a huge summer, and we, we've kind of got to know you a wee bit throughout the summer just with the, the situation at the start of the year out of Hawke's Bay, devastation, and then it's watching your career kind of progress. Are you feeling pretty proud of where you're at as a cricketer at the moment and you're happy with how you're going? Yeah, it's obviously been a whirlwind and um, everything that's happened over the past season and sort of we've got a couple of months coming uh, up that I've got off and I think it'll be a good time to reflect how the whole season's gone and um, how much yeah, it's, I've seen my career progress. So it's been amazing just to be part of the team in all three formats and um, we've had a pretty awesome summer, to be honest. So um, to be part of that um, and hopefully into the future will be yeah, a great, great um, time, really. I, I think you're right. Like when we look back, especially... Uh, obviously went on your position but when we look back on this summer it's ebbed and flows there's been some highs there's been some lows but it's um and you've done a hell of a lot of travel as well so we've watched you at all hours of the the day it's uh excellent so hopefully we can finish this with an odi series on a high and um move forward with some confidence into the world cup been great to catch up mate really stoked to see you uh put in that three for 33 in that last t20 so go out there enjoy those odis and we'll talk again very soon cheers thanks for having me Coming back to Fanua Blake. He's not going to take a carry. He goes himself. Adam Fanua Blake. Straight through the storm defence. 
Kempe Adenfino Blake started that game yesterday as good as I've seen a, a big bopper start an NRL game in the last few while. How good is his form? And that's the good thing about it, isn't it? Is that his form is now starting to, to come into into play and the way he stood Tarek Sims up last night just with a simple carry. He's always had great feet. You know what I mean? For a big man and the way and slight of movement that he has right at the de- defensive line, mate, they didn't put, get a hand on him. He went through three players and, and scored under the post. That was one of the nicest tries I've seen for a while. It was awesome. You're right. Footwork, twinkle toes, big boy. Here's a text for you quickly. They slow our ruck down ridiculously, yet when we try to slow them down, we get penalised. I know what you're saying. We miss Egan big time as well. Lussick looked almost scared to carry. Did you feel that? Yeah, look, we touched on Lussick being the number nine with uh, Richie Agar yesterday and again last night before the call with Sammy. And it is an area which they they will struggle while Egan's out. So hopefully he's back this week against the Roosters. Um, been out with a couple of weeks in an HIA. Uh, he will be a much-needed addition come up against a, a pretty big Roosters forward pack. And the Roosters fans, well, they're already starting to taunt us. Up the Chookies, <laughs> says my brother's, the My brother's dead. a Chookie fan, eh? I, I, I did the wrong thing and gave him a Chookie jersey back in 1994 or something, and he still wears <laughs> it. <laughs> oh, no. We've got those stories, eh? Against the odds, a Chookies fan, of all <laughs> things. Right, after this, let's talk more rugby league with Blake Ashford, but here's the news of the Maroha for Kubota, together with Shaping and Building New Zealand. Four minutes past eight o'clock. Good morning, New Zealand. Hopefully you're doing well this morning. We're having an absolute stonker. Text line lit all the way up the Temper Bed Post text machine. Make sure you send your text double eight double three. The phone line's been running hot on 0800 150 811. The Kennard's higher phone line. Kempy's running off about 30 minutes sleep and all the way <laughs> off the, the Amy Park back fence. How are you feeling? Yeah, no, I'm fine, mate. Yeah, it's a big day Wednesday. We've got running it straight uh, this afternoon, of course. Um, we will have plenty more talk about the Warriors, and uh, you can tune in on that on YouTube and also Facebook uh, live uh, through SENZ. But, mate, good morning. I'm looking forward to this next chat, though, with Blake Ashford. It should be uh, a good one. He was hot on the text machine last night. Yeah, well, fair enough, too. <laughs> he was on your, your personal line. How's this from Grubby Bread? Brett. Grubby bread, same thing. Emotion, my emotion is troll because I'm like T-Bone and support the grubby storm. And I've only, I've got four days of free coffees coming my my way, courtesy of Mahi colleagues. Brilliant. Well, you're the one man here that's doing cartwheels, Brady. Yeah, there's a there's a couple there's a couple. One more. He's morning boys. Even though the Warriors aren't my team, I I like watching them play, especially the side of footy they're playing. Um, but I do think they're going to struggle with Harris out. And, of course, Tavaga. Bunty got caught a couple of times last night. Well, he mate, he was always going to get caught because he's tired. And one player that needs to up his fitness. Um, but I do hope that they hammer the Roosters, and that's from Mark. Fair enough. I hope we hammer the Chooks as well, Kimby. You'll be there. Anyway, let's yeah, crack on. Yeah, that's right. And it may not have been the result, though, that the Warriors fans were hoping for last night. Um, in the Anzac clash against Melbourne, but it was definitely worth staying up for, I can tell you that. Even though things didn't go their way and injuries mounted, the Warriors stayed in the fight, and this is what Andrew Webster had to say about the spirited way that they played. It was hard. You could see see how hard the boys were trying to hang in there. And I think there was actually a period there. If we actually got a call or something went our way, we were probably still a fighting chance, and they would have found a bit of belief, but they, they just kept trying, yeah, they, all the way to the end. Uh, I've seen those situations blow out and put three tries on a team late. And 
the, even four tries and the boys hung in there and yeah, really proud of that. So um, it was hard, but a couple, we owned a couple of moments we could have we could have really um, yeah come home swinging. But I was I was proud of the boys. When you say yeah, I think we all were, Andrew. They now must turn their attentions towards Sunday's home game against the Roosters. Where it'll be a different side lining up because of all the injuries than one we saw last night. But it's a chance to rally behind them again with a strong home crowd, surely to show up another 23-plus thousand. Um, I'm guessing Blake Ashford joins us this morning. He's a great thinker of the game. Blake, and mate, did you get any sleep actually, or were you just up all night thinking what could have been? Oh, I had to get sleep, mate. Otherwise, I'd still be fuming this morning. I uh, <laughs> Look, I've taken my time. I've calmed down. I, I, I see the other side of it. Look, I'm pretty proud of what those boys did. And I think last night, I don't know about you guys, but um, told me a lot more about that side than I had thought, you know, I knew. I think they're a very tough team and they're going to be one to beat in the comp. Yeah, look, I, I got that text message from you last night. I was just saying to Louis too, when I was driving home, you know, I was still a little bit uncertain about how they would round out this year. But man, that effort was was tough, wasn't it? You know, especially losing four four boys on the bench. Yeah, um, look, to, so far, people have asked me about, oh, how are the Warriors, you know, they're looking so good. And I was still on the fence just because I don't think we've really played anyone until last night. Like, yes, we played the Roosters, um, they got us, but we played good that game. Um, the Cowboys aren't the same team as we thought of last year. And last night was the big test. And to have a player sin bin for 10 minutes um, to then obviously have zero players on the bench and still be in it um, until you know the dying seconds of the game, I think shows us what we're in for the rest of the year. Um, I heard you say, Kempi, you know, Tohu and Jazz, they're massive outs. They are going to be huge outs. Um, I think the depth this year at the Warriors is good, though, but those two are superstars, aren't they? So to lose those is definitely going to test when you've got the next month, I think, the Panthers, the Roosters this week, sides like that. Um, it's going to be a big testing month. Will it be testing for Coach Andrew Webster as well, Blake? Because you can just tell, listening to him, he's so desperate to stay grounded. He just he is trying so hard not to be sucked into this vortex and he's refusing to make excuses, he's refusing to blame the referees. Is this going to be harder and harder and harder as the time goes on? Either the Warriors, they rack up some of these wins to keep his feet on the ground or if they do get a little bit unlucky, you know, what sort of job does he have to do? Um, I, I think he's... It can't be, oh, sorry. Um, Webby knows what he's, he's up to. Like, he's been around the traps and it's not someone who... Um, say, just being thrust into this position. He's seen it all unfold before. He's been in winning situations. He's been in losing situations. So I think last night was probably the most emotion we've seen out of him, seen out of him in the box. Um, he's been pretty calm and collected throughout the year. Um, but look, I, I think he's going to be just fine. I think he, he will stay grounded knowing um, Webby, good character, good bloke. And the way he's got this team rolling, I, I think they will jag a couple of wins in this period. Um, but I, I think he'll be just fine, mate. I, I think um, turning up to training every week with the boys with the same attitude, um, yeah, I think they're going to be just fine. Mate, how, what about um, the offence at the moment? Like that first 15 minutes, stint, they looked so crisp um, and had a smile on their face every time they went over the trial. And what do you make of it? Well, you know this, Kempi. A lot of the teams run the same plays. It's just how one or two attackers straighten the line or straighten their angles that makes the difference. 
And just the way Sean Johnson took the line, just ran straight into the line, not going sideways, onto Tohu, who would do the exact same thing, and it'd just free up the outside. They just seem like a, a happy football side at the moment. And you, you go back to Louis about Webby. I think he's just got them just feeling good, like a tight-knit unit. Um, you can see on the field, they're just happy when they're scoring tries, playing footy, and their attack seems to be so smooth at the moment. Um, Jackson Ford, for me, is probably the buyer of the year. Yeah, um, You could probably put him up yeah. there at the moment, you know. I, I didn't have him in my 17 to start the year. I, I think he'd be in everyone's 17 now, without a doubt. His hard line, um, his hard ball running lines are, are perfect at the back there of uh, certain players. So, look, their, their offense is, is fine and their defense has definitely stepped up this year. Yeah, he slid under the under the radar, uh, radar all right, Jackson Ford, mate. Just on those, a couple of penalties that... Um, you know, we want some sort of mirror responses from the referees. If you're going to give one for one thing, make sure it's consistent across the board. What do you make of how the Warriors are, uh, I guess, not consistent in getting the right calls from the referees? How do you think we need to – how do we fix that? Oh, I don't know, mate. That's a tough one. I was a bit animated last night where I told you <laughs> you should start acting. Um but, you know, like Edward Cossey, when he stayed down for the hit, they went to the video ref and, you know, he should have really got up there. But I think Jazz Devungas was a, you know, the way they're penalising hip drops at the moment, that possibly could have been one. I thought Nelson shoulder charged Jackson Ford two plays before that. Look, there's things where I'm proud of the boys for getting up and playing the ball and wanting to win, you know, and not laying down for a penalty. But that's just the way the game's going now. People are just laying down for things. So... In my heated moment last night, Kempi, when I was texting you, I was like, we need to learn how to start acting. Let's go to acting school. Uh, but, you know, look, I think it's just the sometimes, you know, teams get the rub of the green. Sometimes you don't. Like uh, Webby said in his interview, uh, Webby said in his interview, you know, we get a couple of calls in that game. It might have changed it. But in the end, it wasn't to be. So, look, they're going to go back next week, and I think they're going to come out fighting hard and just play some great footy. You're so right, Blake, because the other thing Andrew Webster said was he knows, and he's known for a couple of weeks now, but he knows his players now know that they are a good football team. And that, like, when you when you when that clicks and that penny drops, it must be so empowering. And then you've got guys like Sean Johnson playing in vintage career-best form. I mean, Dylan Walker's, like, the revival. You said Ford was the buyer of the year. How do they keep Dylan Walker in this this team and get him touching the ball as many times as possible? I can't believe how good he's been. Where's his best role going to be moving forward for the rest of the year, do you think? Oh, that's hard. I think it's going to depend on um, who comes back into the halves. I don't know if Metcalf's too far away. Um, look, at, at six at the moment, he's doing a great job alongside Shawnee. Um, with the full-strength team, I think him at number 14 is perfect. But now you've got Tohu out, um, Jazz out. Look, he could even slot into 13. The luxury we have is, like I mentioned, that depth. I, I do think Dylan Walker will probably stay at six for as long as they can until they get some healthy troops back at six. But, um, look, you, you're, you're right, Louis. He's definitely one of the – another buy of the year. And the Warriors done good this year, a couple of buys of the year. Yeah, he's mate, he's, uh, he's my pick so far. Uh, for players play. He must be picking up those points week in, week out. Mate, just uh, moving forward to this game against the Roosters this week, it looks like we're going to be short. Uh, we've got a couple of weeks for Chance Nickel Klotstag. Obviously, Jazz and Tohu are out. Um, and you're talking about a shift in, in the shape of the spine. 
if you if you lose Dylan Walker because you've been put on report for that head slam, what do you do? Like, do you bring Volkman in? Do you put Toopiki back at fullback, or do you just stick with Dallin there with the experience? What sort of shape and uh, knowing the side that you do know would you would you bring um, as far as names go back into the side? Uh, showing what Toopiki's done so far this year and his limited chances, I'd definitely throw him back in at fullback. Um, look, Dallin's experienced player and a very good rugby league player, but I, I'd love to keep him on the wing with those hard ball carries and have Team Torpiki come in and, and play fullback if if, if Chance is out. Um, with the the rest of the squad, look, I, it's a tough one. Um, do you bring Volkman in? That's the question. I, I probably would if Dylan Walker gets suspended because um, I don't know who else we have, really. I think Metcalf's still out and Tamari Martin's still out. So there's not much choice there, is there? Um, you know, we, we were speaking about depth. We just have the luxury that Volkman is still available. So, um, yeah, I'd, I'd probably put Tool Picky at fullback and um, have Volkman come in. Blake, this is a little bit different, but I'm, you've played the game very recently. Can you try and explain as best you can to us that haven't played at that level how you would navigate the hip drop situation and what sympathies you have with this modern player if you have any at all about where they're going wrong and seeming to get it wrong are there subtle technical changes players can make to avoid being penalized if the nrl is going to stay penalizing it like i i mean i'm throwing you a bit of a curveball here i don't know if you can answer that um <laughs> i don't know if you thought about it much but i just i watch and i just feel sorry for these players that are trying to stop a guy moving with total inertia and momentum and they're using their body weight which is just logic but they're getting pinged very inconsistently. Do you sympathise? Oh, at, at certain hip drops, I do. I understand. Look, I, I was a part of um, a rugby league game where Taniela Tuiaki actually mm. received one of these and never played NRL again. So, look, it's it's a very touchy subject. And, you know, to see that footage being brought up during the week that I haven't seen for 10 to 12 mm. years of uh, Tuiaki, look, it's hit, hit a sort of uh, sour spot for me. But there's, I, I understand them trying to get rid of it. Um, and there are certain tackles that where players do, you know, just try to get a play down and they jump on the back. And that's, you, you can't have that because of the serious injury. But then there's other ones where I think players are holding on and just getting momentum swung around in a tackle, not meaning it. And, you know, the accidents happen in rugby league. And I think majority of them are accidental. I don't think players get out there meaning to hurt another player in that way. Um, that there's just, I think, the inconsistency with the fans are the ones where players aren't purposely, uh, how do I say it, like players are losing their feet through momentum and then they're getting penalised and the other ones where people are purposely doing it and they're getting the, it's the same penalty. I mm. think they just need to make it black and white in the area, come out and explain it, what's going to be penalised, what's going to be sin-binned. That way we can all move on with it. Yeah, it's a, it is a tough area. It's a grey area. I think it will be for the rest of the year. Blake, hey, just uh, one quick question before we let you go. What what do they need to do against the Roosters this week if they've got so many players out? Oh, it's a tough one. They're going to have to start fast, Kempi. I don't think, um, you know, start fast and just get the confidence up. I think if you're trying to fight a team like the Roosters from behind, even though St. George did a good job yesterday, um, I think the inexperience we would have playing might be a bit tough. I think we're going to have to go um, up early 
and just try and play some confidence footy, get the young boys rolling. They're going to be fit for the start of it, so uh, let's start fast, eh? Yeah, let's start fast. Hey, you'll love this, Blake. We've got a, we've got a text. He sent one, and just especially for you, blah blah blah. Stop whinging. <laughs> <laughs> oh mate, oh mate, it's good. To, it's so good to talk to you, brother. Thanks for joining. Thanks for joining us on SENZ this morning. I can't wait to catch up with you. I'll, I'll make sure. Um, come down. We'll be on the goalposts before the game this weekend. So come down. I'll put you on the cans, mate. We'll have another chat. Thanks for joining us this morning. Oh, cheers. Thanks, fellas. There you go. Blake Ashford is a champion, Kimpy. He is he's a, le- of the he's game. a legend. He's, he is a legend, and he's very insightful. Um, I forgot about that that career-ending injury way back when. I I know exactly what he's talking about. As soon as he mentioned, I can see it now, and I understand they're trying to get that out. I just have extreme sympathy for these players. I think he's right. It's there's two different things here. One of them is a kind of a it's a semi grubby kind of semi. You know what you're doing. The other one is you're hanging on. Momentum swings you around. Barring letting go, there's no way you can get into the ground. And those are the ones I just think's unfortunate. And Look, it might get a little bit messy. It might look a little bit ugly, but I just don't know what players are meant to do other than let go. Not with momentum. Like when momentum goes past you and players beat in a tackle, you're not going to let them go. Otherwise, you're just going to run past you and, and make a break. So you've got players that are going past you who are offensive players, and defensive players, all they're doing is grabbing, and they, they've lost the what he's talking about, losing your legs. It's like you you give your legs up and you fall to the yeah. ground, and it's a natural um, occurrence and inevitably because I've gone past you fall onto the back of the legs it is such a grey area it is such mm-hmm. a grey area and the only way I can see them fixing it is that if you've beaten in the tackle you've got to let them go Yes I think that's where it's going I, I, I 100% agree with you Kempe because unless there's something where I'm just completely misunderstanding what they're trying to achieve and that's why I asked Blake but I think you're right Paul says RTS to fullback boys <laughs> very good Paul How good would that um, be? <laughs> <laughs> hey, oh, we weren't together last week, Kempe. I was so I cut them loose because you know the blues, Kempe. Just that's right. Let, let, let one go, you know the, well, the you blues. Know, you, start... know, you know the Chiefs are my second team. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Crusaders are your first team. Um, Tua Picky picked up an ankle injury in the New South Wales Cup game. Sent oh, to Texter. That's not good. How rough is the Warriors draw, lads? You compare our draw. Versus the never leave Queensland Broncos or the Storm with two 11 day breaks in a row between games. You'd think they'd spent 2.5 years playing away from home. Who says the NRL doesn't have favoured teams? But I'm still bloody proud, lads. Uh, it's time for Dimitrik Sifikola on the bench and Tom Arlade to start. Both super impressive, particularly off the bench so far this season. That's JJ. Yeah, and Ali might get a start this week with both um, middle players, Jess Tavaga and Tohu Harris, both being out. So there'll be some some young blokes get a crack this weekend. Um, if if that's true about Tane Topiki, who, who's picked up an ankle injury and struggling to make the team next week, I, I'd, I'd say Valia will go straight back into the centres and Dylan will start fullback. Um, just waiting tonight to hear whether or not that uh, review committee has looked at uh, Dylan Walker's. I, look, I think they, that, I think common sense will play out here that they made a couple of bad calls and the review committee will be spoken to by Graham Annesley not to take Dylan Walker out of the game as well. You know what I mean? So um, there'll be a little bit They'll of make up. Yeah, a little bit of make up there for the Warriors. And that'll be the best news I hear today, hopefully, before running it straight this afternoon that we can share with you if Dylan Walker is actually um, available to be playing this weekend. Yep, fair enough. Bailey Sirenin needs to turn the lower grades needs a turn in lower grades 
to get his defense. Last night, he was not up to scratch and had a whole set of arm grabbing when Olam busted through. Yeah, but let's be honest. I wouldn't want to be tackling Justin Ollen. That guy is like a little ball of muscle. That's what they Kimpy. all are. That's what all the Papua New Guinean players are. I told you that story. The, 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 I just got a stick, stick up here for Bailey Surin, and he, uh, he picked up a heavy head knock too, so he's probably out for the weekend with an HIA. Um, and we haven't even spoken about him. He passed. He did pass, but I wouldn't be surprised to see him scratched out. Chance Nickel Clockstard was – he, he – didn't pass, but apparently he was, by all accounts, Andrew Rooster said, and this was no official word by him, but he did say that he was in good spirits and he was very active and um, he seemed like he was okay. So hopefully only one week for those guys. Hi, guys. Do they ever play the Anzac game in Melbourne every year instead of alternating between home and away? Luigi from Topor. That's right, Luigi. Um, and I think there was something contractual about that with the NRL and maybe the state government. So be great to see one here shortly, and, and we'll follow that, and we'll keep campaigning for it. 23 minutes past eight, loving all your messages on the Warriors. Here with Chemist Warehouse, the real house of fragrance. Paul Mawadi can't be far away. We'll chat to Paul Mawadi in just a second, Kempi, but there's a text from Ed, I think, just specifically designed for you. Yeah, I felt sadness at halftime because my second team after the Knights were losing. When I got up for work at 2.30 and checked the score, I felt happiness. Hi-ho, hi-ho, it's off to work we go. I'll tell you what, he is absolutely on one, Ed. (laughs) And, you know, what I do like about that, he's got the same teams as me too. You know, the Newcastle Knights, man. Ed, I'm I'm glad you're happy today. Ed, at the race, I don't know if Joe told you this, Ed and Brett, we got the double act down in Cambridge. They brought their own coloured cards to make a speed map, like like in a real-life speed map, and they were, like, <laughs> talking to Mickey G, like, and Selfishwood's going to come through here, it'll hit the 1-1 here, and, and then no matter what, Tony Hurley, he will kick forward here. They had, they brought their own cards to make their own speed map. They are, they are some of the, they're the funniest duo going around, I reckon. Yeah, no, they're good, they're good, they're good fun, and they're always tuned in, too, to whatever's going on. So, um, look, there'll be a lot of happy people out there. We, they've got thousands of um, Melbourne Storm supporters over here, Louis. So you'd be quite a few happy, happy people doing the rounds uh, uh, this morning in Aotearoa. Sure. DWZ jamming in on defence a couple of times, led in two tries, but he's getting better. Cheers, Dave. So Dave disagrees with our friend from Hamilton last hour who said he wanted him to be dropped. Um, it, it wasn't flash at times, but he is coming back off that injury as well, Kempi. Yeah, that's right, and he will get better. And I think uh, he'll probably play fullback this weekend by the sounds of it if uh, Torpiki is out. Don't start moaning about draw. South Sydney is the hardest one out there. Have a look at it. That's Marky. He's a South City man, hard and hard. Hey, Mark, I'm just going to tell you, they win this week. <laughs> 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 oh, Mark, eh? Your team's going great, Mark. you got nothing to worry about. We're not, uh, 29 away from nine. Paul Mawadi is not far away, but here's the news. I'll have full Kubota together with Shaping and Building New Zealand. Mm-hmm. 
you're going to have a very busy afternoon, Kempe, on running it straight because the Warriors fans are still coming through. Kane says Dylan Walkerson, but a crap call. SJ High Tackle, another crap call. <laughs> Things didn't go our way, but we still put up a good fight. Up the was. Yeah. Oh, look, yep, there'll be still lots of chatter going on. People are still just waking up, too. And uh, I could imagine all the workplaces around Auckland this morning just saying how good that game was last night. And only if we could have kept a tidy bench, we probably would have got that one. I think so. Bet live on your favourite sports. Download the TAB app today. Good news is they would have covered the spread because I looked yesterday and it was 12 and a half, Paulie Mawadi. Yeah, not enough respect shown by the bookies, I think, in terms of the Warriors. Um, so, yeah, those who did, did back the Warriors plus 12 and a half never really looked in danger at all no. uh, once um, they crossed over for that first try. And although... Um, plenty of punters also backed them in the head-to-head market where they were around at 370, 375. Um, there were other options where Warriors supporters did get rewarded. Um, we had a boosted option on uh, Dallin Watani Zalesniak to be the first, second or third try scorer. That was paying $5. Plenty jumped on that. In fact, if you back uh, DWZ, um, you were going pretty well because there was a power play uh, on DWZ to score one or more tries in each half. That was paying $13. Um, so those who focused their attentions around him um, probably got a wee bit of a return. So it wasn't all bad news, um, but I guess in terms of the Warriors, first of all, they didn't get the two points, but boy, oh boy, that injury list is getting longer um, by the day. So it'll be interesting to see who lines up uh, this Sunday at Mount Smart Stadium when they take on the Roosters. Paulie, do you wait till the teams come out before you put the odds out? Uh, no, no, no. Um, un- unless there's a, I guess, no, they, they, we usually put them out uh, and then um, I, I guess if, the, if there's a significant omission, um, then the boys um, adjust those. I can think of a time, it must have been 10, 15 years ago, where Joey Johns That's right. um, wasn't going to be turning out for the Newcastle Knights. And it seemed like there was a wee bit of whisper around Newcastle <laughs> because <laughs> because we took, we took quite a bit of money on the opposite. I can't remember who they were playing. It might have been the Dogs. I can't remember. But, uh, yeah, but, but plenty of people knew that Joey Johns wasn't going to be playing for the Newcastle Knights. Um and uh, the, the the opposition were getting back, but yeah, Kimpi's, no, the boys. Kimpi's are... Newcastle mail, sneak, <laughs> slap the Taranaki mail. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think we did take a wee bit of cash from the uh, Taranaki re- uh, region uh, that time. But yeah, all the odds are out for the next round. Uh, the Warriors are six and a half point underdogs at home against the Sydney Roosters. They're two fifty five head to head. The Roosters are a dollar forty eight. Um, I'm just looking down the list That's here. That's generous. What the what the plus six and a half? Hundred percent. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I agree. Back back at Mount Smart, um, the Roosters uh, obviously um, they had to go right to the end uh, with a field goal to get over the top of the uh, Dragons. Um, so yeah, the Warriors. Uh, look, they've got a wee bit of depth, so um, they'll be able to. I mean, Tohu Harris is a huge, huge loss if he doesn't play next week, and it looks like he, he won't be playing for a few weeks. Um, but they've got a wee bit of depth, and it, it was just a shame that they had no one left on the bench 
uh, over the final stages uh, of that match last night because you could, they were struggling to come up defensively. They, they were very, very tired, those boys. Um, and SJ had no room whatsoever to move, whereas Munster uh, and co. had plenty of time to do what they wanted to do late in that second half. And that was just because of the um, fatigue factor, I think, in terms of the Warriors not having anyone on the bench. But back to the uh, today... Uh, we're at Harwater, um, so not far from where uh, Kempe grew up. And I can tell you, they've come for one here, and you don't have to wait long. It's race Del- one. Oh, yes. Race one. Uh, number two out of the Nelson McDougall barn, Motivation. That's been backed oh. in from 350 to 280. That is the best backed on the card uh, at Harwater today, although there's also a wee bit of support for the Kevin Myers train, Kafif. 420 into 3.30. So, look, uh, if the money's anything to go by, it's a two-horse race in race one. Yeah, hurdles today. Um, we'll have to have a look there. Two extremely sharp stables, the Myers and the Nelson McDougall stables. Uh, Paulie, thank you very much. And I can't wait, Kempe, tomorrow morning to come back and see the odds that they give us around one mare in particular racing this weekend. I think there's a really nice bet. She won last start. There's your tip. And uh, I won't just give it away yet because Stephen Hunt and Thad Taylor will be listening and they just want to skim a couple of points <laughs> off me. 22 away from nine. We're going to talk fight for life up after this. Ricardo Ball caught up with one of our finest boxers, Andre Mikhailovich, and that's going to come up after this. All right, the Fight for Life is on its way April 27. Thanks to Build People, New Zealand's top talent recruiter, uh, we have Andre Mikhailovich, one of the fighters, with us in studio. The man they call the Renegade. How are you doing, Andre? Uh, great. So a couple of things. I don't mm. want to correct you straight off the bat, Ricardo, because okay. you're a real sweetheart. But it's the Russian. Oh, the Russian. Not renegade anymore, because the Russian is just my name that I roll with. Box wreck have got it wrong. That's where I got it from. Ah, it's all good. Nah, well, it is traditionally the renegade for my last, like, 18 of my 19 fights. I was unchained for one fight, but that didn't sit well. And I've always liked the renegade, because I kind of like, you know, he's a renegade's a bit of an outlier and um, sorry for swearing, but um, the Russian is, you know, who I am, and that's, you know, what I've been called for a long time. And with Mikhailovich, 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 yeah, 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 Mikhail. So my um, my 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 real name is Andrew Mikhailovich. Beep. I'm not going to say what my last real last name is. You probably be able to find it. But Mikhailovich is my um, real middle name, and I love that because, yeah, it's, it just makes it allows me to be who I am, and we've been adopted in that. I feel like I'm allowed to write my own script. It's not written for me. And with me being Andre Mikhailovich, I think it gives me a sense of freedom. Plus, with my father being quite high up in his game as an intensive care paramedic on the Westwick helicopter and very well known of his work in that, um, I have to be, you know, I didn't want anything that I said to fall back on him and for her to be a representation of my family when it's me representing myself. Because I'm not in here with them, and I don't want to hold that last name and say, oh, your son said this, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, so. Yeah, no, no, fair, man. So, yeah. yeah, and it's good to be proud of that identity as well, right? As somebody who uh, my grandparents were were refugees after mm. the Second World War, you know, and you sort of had a different, I guess... <laughs> That's Tarantino. If you if you're hearing that, um, he's uh, he's piping up in the interview. But That's you know, I, I had that as well growing up, um, and 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 so did my my parent, uh, my mum, and my, you know her family and stuff. So I appreciate that man, and appreciate mm. um, where you're coming from on on that. Not being a first generation New Zealand, you know, not yeah. being a multi generational New Zealander, I should say. Yeah, and I, I'm I'm really proud of who I am. It's taken me a long time to get to a sense of pride with who I am. I always felt like we've 
being the renegade. It was it was me, but it wasn't quite me at the same time. So it was it, it's been a real like awesome like six to like nine months really like going. You know what? Be proud of who you are. Be pr- be proud of being Russian. And it was almost it was a bit pr- uh, a bit bit of a weird one because with what's happening in you know with overseas with Russia and Ukraine and all that jazz like. Instead of shying away from it and hiding from the fact that I'm Russian, lean into the fact that I'm Russian and that when I say I'm the Russian, I represent myself and the good of Russian people. Mm. I don't represent government or policy. I'm not political at all. And um, I don't know anything about politics. But um, I'm, you know, for me, it's who I am. It's in my blood and I'm going to stand by that and I'm proud to be who I am. So I'm not going to shy away from it. Hell, even my walkout song is Russ Putin. It was <laughs> going to be Russ Putin. Now it's Daddy Cool because Russ Putin took a minute and 10 to actually start kicking. And yeah. what's happen- what happens when you walk out is you need to make a statement like pretty much like that. Totally, man. Mm. Totally. Yeah, you do have to make that statement. Uh, how do you How do you turn your head on? For a fight, because like you know, we're talking now. We talked down in the office. Uh, so you, saw you interacting, you know, with your boy and and things. You you're a you're a chilled out, lovely bloke who's quite mm. funny. But you get in the ring and you like there's a different look in your eyes. So how do you change that for yourself mentally? Um, well, first and foremost, like you have to have that has, that you need to have that training under. You need to be so confident with your training and so forth. So for instance, my last fight, I didn't have a proper training for that fight. Taz, quietly, <laughs> bro. Um, sorry, mate. No, but um, so uh, you need to make sure one, you've trained hard and done your due, due diligence, all right. And if you've done your due diligence, everything will fall onto line. And what you see in my eyes is complete focus. I'm a completely on the job. You know, like nothing will distract me. The world will be ending, but I'm gonna be looking right at my opponent and owning and dominating that space. And that's really important for me. But um, it's it's uh, it's not like I flick a switch and I am the Russian and I'm gonna hurt this man, blah blah blah. It does not necessarily happen like that. But it's the build up. You know, you go through the motions of your fight week, your press conference, you go away in, uh, then you got fight day, and then you roll to the venue, and then you're in the changing room, and then by the time you're in the ring, you're just so pumped with like adrenaline, like. You know, there is no such thing as a switch, man. Like it comes on, it, it, that whole energy, you know, comes on. And for me, it's just an extreme focus of like, there's my man, do your job, dominate, own it, you know? Yeah. And you gotta really own that situation. So I don't know who else is a professional boxer that's listening to this, but if you're gonna be in a professional boxing ring, own that, own it, own everything you do and be proud of it. You can't go in half ass or half guessing yourself. You gotta just be you and live your truth in that moment and that's what I try to do. And I try to make a, you know, I try to put on the best performance of the night. Every fight for me, I anything less than the best performance, the best fight of the night is not a win in my, my eyes, regardless of if I win or lose the fight. Do you, do you jump in the ring every time expecting to, to walk out without having to go to the judges? No, 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 no. Some guys, um, you, you, some guys, you just can't knock out, and that's okay. I'm not, I'm not upset if I don't knock them out. Maybe on my record, it's like, I was like, ah, oh, that's kind of a decision, whatever. But um, I'm more worried about having a great performance. For me, like, you can have a win, but it could be an ugly win. For me, if I can have a great performance and make it look like poetry in motion, and make it look artistic, and make it look like it was choreographed, that's that's what I'm going for. I want it to look so so beautiful. It looks staged. So that's more what I'd rather do. The, the, brutal, the brutal ballet. Oh, I love that. The brutal ballet. I love that. Cinderella, man. Yeah. You know. But yeah, I, I try to make this my own, and I really try to own everything I do in that ring and make it my space. And you know, that's that's what you see is me just completely owning it. You know. And yeah. 
You're 19 and 0 in your career at the moment. Mm. Um, IBF middleweight Pan Pacific and WBO uh, middleweight global titles on the line against Edison Saltarin. His first fight ever out of Venezuela. How much do you know about this guy? Well, you know, one thing you can't um, write off about Venezuelans is one, they come from a real tough neck of the woods. They're from, like, you know, when people say, I'm from the streets, this man is from, like, the streets, all right? They're, you know, like, I, I first of all have to respect that, like, you know, I don't know a hell of a lot about him because, you know, I just, I just don't. But I just know that with him coming in, he's young and he's going to have a great attitude and he's going to be mean and vicious and that. So I'm looking forward to a good tear up, you know, and he's 16 and 0 with 11 knockouts. So he's coming to fight. This is his like ticket, you know. So it's my job to handle him with responsibility and take care along the way. Yeah, he can definitely bang by the looks of that. Mm. Um, so from that point of view, then if you if you've got a fight like this against uh, Edison, you don't have a lot of tape. Is all the, is the focus just on what you're doing and what you can do? When you hop into the ring, worry about yourself. Let them worry about you. I, I have so many different assets that my trainer can call upon. You know, I can do this. I can this. I can zig. I can zag. I can move up. I can you know go down. Whatever. It doesn't doesn't really bother me too much. Like what they're doing. And after the first like round or like thirty seconds or so, you'll get a fairly good idea. Of course, like there's a little bit of tape on him, and I watched a little bit, but it wasn't a hell of a lot. But you know, I I back myself hundred percent, and that's it. It's a, and what you know? What does the road for 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 Andre look like from here? Uh man, like I, yeah, I have like ideas and all that jazz. But boxing's so fickle and changes. You know, everything's a grey area in boxing. Nothing's black and white till it's going to happen. You know, so my job as a professional is to just worry about. Um, this is, sorry, Taz just struck me. My job as a professional is to worry about this fight, and that's it. Nothing else is as important as this moment coming up next Thursday, you know. Everything else can wait, you know. Um, it's, a, it's a real shame, to be honest, because one of my best friends is getting married on Sunday, and I was going to be the best man, and I can't go. Like, that hurts my feelings, but, like, I'm a professional. You know, last year, um, three fights ago, my uncle was in a real, like, fatal accident, or, like, near fatal accident, you know. And um, he called, like, my dad called me to say, oh, what had happened to my uncle on that? And I said, I don't care. I can't worry about this right now. And afterwards, you know, you cry and you mourn about it. And he was all right, and he's actually fine now. <laughs> yeah, but, um, you know, you have to be so professional and so focused on the job. You know, you have to be on. And so I do all this training for one thing, and that's to fight, and that's it. It reminds me of a story about Arnold Schwarzenegger early in his career when he went to, the, to America to make it as a bodybuilder. Mm. And I think it was his first Mr. Olympia. And, you know, what bodybuilding's like, you know, diet and everything is to the extreme. Yeah. Uh, his dad died back in Austria. That's and crazy, um, yeah. he was like, oh, I can't come home because it'll interrupt training, it'll interrupt the diet, and I've got Mr. Olympia. Yeah, that's, that's, that's heavy, yeah. Yeah. Your father dying, and you're so focused on your task, you know, that's, that's crazy, man. Yeah, it is crazy. Hey, man, well, listen, thank you very much, Dre, for coming in. I really appreciate it, man. Hopefully uh, next Thursday we see you with your hand raised in the ringer. Yes, sir. Thank you, Ricardo. You're the man. I appreciate it. Uh, no worries at all. Looking forward to this. Thanks to Build People, New Zealand's top talent recruiter.